Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And I'm glad you joined Chris and I today because we're going to have a conversation today about conversations, specifically how our faith can be on display in our conversations. So, Chris, are you ready to have this conversation? Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> we're delighted to have Jim Wilson with us again. Jim is the author of our study uh, on James, James Living Out Your Faith. So, uh, Jim's great, great to have you with us. Uh, you are a uh, professor um, at Gateway Seminary. You're a writer um, uh, and have been involved in church and, and ministry, uh, I'm assuming, all of your life. That that true? I started pastoring when I was a teenager, so you're wow. right. <laughs> it's all of our lives. <laughs> well, it is great to have you with us. I think something special happens when we have a chance uh, for our listeners to have the opportunity to hear directly from the author and to hear their voice. So thank you for being with us today. Oh, it's my joy. Thank you. Well, so we are going to talk about conversations today, uh, and as, we, as we're continuing our study in the book of James, and what we want to focus on today, this is our point, that when you rely on God, your words reflect His character. So this is in James chapter 3, where we're going to be, and uh, guys, I tell you, let, me, let me start reading in, in uh, just verse 1, and um, you guys pick up the conversation at this, as we hit verse 5. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control his whole body. How if we, how, now, if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though, the tongue is a small part of the body. It boasts great things. So in the senior adult uh, version of the uh, personal study guide, uh, we ask this as an icebreaker question. When has your big mouth got you into trouble? <laughs> and so I think we could probably all share stories, but I think it's it's that opportunity to engage and let people talk um, about their own life circumstances that will open the door for uh, this study to have uh, a great impact uh, on the people who are involved in the group. Well, I don't think I'll decline to answer when my big mouth has got me into <laughs> trouble because this is a 20 minute podcast, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> <Yeah>. just move <laughs> on. <laughs> we, we, we can all relate to this. And again, this is why James, the book is so practical. Uh, as we've looked at uh, in, in the previous three sessions, the things he's talked about, even here, we can all relate to this, that realizing my tongue, sure, it's little, but boy, I can think of times it has gotten me in trouble. And I'm not just thinking about when I was a teenager. I'm talking about as an adult that, uh, but you know, it just was, you say it. And as soon as you say, go, I should not have said that it gets us in trouble because we see there's, there's power in our words. You know, James uses a naval um, uh, analogy with the ship rudder. Uh, another one might be that the tongue is the periscope to our heart. What's in our heart ends up coming out of our mouth. And uh, oftentimes we get into trouble with our speech because we have thought we have thoughts uh, that we shouldn't have been having so that uh, we should have uh, fought them back in the very beginning. 
I think one of the times I get into trouble is when I think I'm funny and I prove that I'm not when I start talking. Uh, but, but all of that kind of is the tongue betrays our heart and it, it becomes a, a heart issue. So, such a small, small thing, the tongue, but it, uh, it certainly can expose our hearts in ways that uh, we might prefer to keep private. I have four uh, grandchildren currently who are preschoolers, uh, three of the four. And um, I, I keep telling my kids, you are at a great time because they're telling you everything they're thinking and feeling. It's just whatever, whatever's on their mind comes out of their mouth. I think we have to pay attention to our hearts, just like what you described with uh, the Periscope. I think uh, what we say does reflect and reveal our hearts. We've already kind of gone down this road a little bit, talking about one of our big mouths got us in trouble. And when we read these five verses, uh, at least for me, I tend to want to think negative. Yeah, there's times when uh, just the, those words I said, as small as those words were, the negative impact they had. But I think there's something we ought to consider here also in our groups. Let's also consider the power of the positive words that we've spoken. Uh, for many of us in our books, uh, there's a discussion question there that when have you seen the power of words impact someone in positive ways? And I think there's the value instead of us beating ourselves up simply because of the times we've got our mouth in trouble. Let's also look at those times when we realize there is power in my words that I said something positive and made a difference. That's so insightful, Brother Lynn, and it is needed for us to reflect on what positive we can do with our tongue if we'll just use it. The person that's discouraged, uh, the person that needs correction, uh, the person that, that needs um, just help, and that comes through our tongue, and the only way that it can be used in that positive way instead of the negative way is if we have God's wisdom and He's controlling it. Because if he's not in control of it, we tend to veer into the, into the other direction. I can think back of some key moments in my life when I was discouraged that someone encouraged me. Just a simple, just a simple word that's made all the difference um, in, uh, in my life. And so, I, man, I'm so glad you brought that up because especially James can be so confrontive to us. Uh, and uh, at every turn, he's, he's exposing our lack of faith. And it's good to be reminded that we can, when we're being spirit-filled and under the control of God, he can redeem this untamable tongue. Uh, and who, you know, the answer to the rhetorical question, who can tame it? Not me, but the spirit of God. Well, and, and then there's the, the dynamic that um, is at play when, when he says, you know, if the, the, the person who's mature, the person who has developed spiritually, it's, it's the guy, it's the lady who has mastered that, who has control um, o over their tongue, who, who knows when to speak and knows when not to speak. And say that exactly, but uh, having control is a sign of maturity. And so we circle back around to some issues that James has dealt with from the very beginning mm. in chapter one. Let me just offer a very, if I can digress for a moment, but just a very positive uh, practical idea of how we can speak positive words into the lives of other people. And it is simple as this. 
call them by name. I'm amazed that uh, when I when someone says my name, I feel important. They know me enough to know my name and call me by name. I know that day that's that may sound um, unnecessary, but I found it really makes a difference when I make the effort to learn people's names and I call them by name. Hey, just because, hey, Jim, good to see you this morning. As opposed to just that cat, oh, hey, glad to see you. Like, I really don't know who you are. But when I say your name, there's an expectation. There's a sense of, I know who you are. And that makes people feel valued. Uh, so it's, it's, it's important for us. And so again, it's little words like that that can make a world of difference. Now, what James is going to take us to, though, is to remind us that, that as our words matter, our speech needs to be consistent. Because when it's inconsistent, well, that shows we're just being controlled by ourselves and not being controlled by God. James said this in verse 9. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. And the one makes the other even more heinous. You know, the contrast that that people who can praise God in one moment and then slice and dice their brother or sister in another, it uh, it makes it even more stark. Uh, We expect more from others. We expect our Christians, brothers and sisters to act like Christians, brothers and sisters. And when they don't, it hurts even more. And if we change the structure of that sentence to where we're the Christian, we, we inflict the pain even more because of the, the blessing and the cursing. So in the, in the study, Jim, you, you've introduced a, a phrase that I don't know that I have been exposed to before, um, trying to find it on my page, um, moral rationalization. And the idea behind that is we, we, tear, we tear other people down to, to feel better about ourselves ourselves and there's a little bit of what james is describing here yes there there's something that makes us feel better about ourselves if we tear other people down and so it it raises our esteem as we tear others down and that can be done in many ways that can be done in gossip uh, that can be done with sarcasm that can be done with witty cutting remarks uh, but the, the attempt in doing it all is to build ourselves up. So our goal is not to bring them down, it's to bring ourselves up. And in, in effect, we are displacing God from the throne of our life in that moment when we do it, because our life's purpose is to bring glory to God, not attention to ourselves. And with the tongue, in its misuse, whether it's gossip or it's sarcasm, these witty, cutty remarks, we end up slicing and dicing others so that we're elevated. And what happens is the opposite. Now, just think about it. Do you seek out and want to spend time with sarcastic people? You know, do you want to be around people that are putting you down? And so we're trying to elevate ourselves, but in fact, what ends up happening is we diminish ourselves in the eyes of others. We're not talking against humor. We're not talking against, you know, you know having a, just a, a humorous dialogue. And those of us who are doing the sarcasm, that's what we see. We're, oh, we're just being humorous. 
but it's not perceived that way on the other side. And that's where we've got to guard against, oh, I was just kidding. I didn't mean anything by it. Well, you may not have meant anything by it, but that's uh, their perception of it is what counts. And that, that what they heard is what hurts. And isn't that cowardly of us that, that we want to make this cutting remark without any consequences back on us? You know, how cowardly when we do that. And for some, uh, in some circles, it's acceptable. And Brother Lynn, to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> developing, writing these, this particular lesson brought me under conviction, and I have changed. I mean, uh, we're studying these lessons now in the fall. It was written last year, and I fell under conviction while I was researching and writing this text. And I don't know, we'd have to ask my closest friends if I've been successful at it, but this has just been something I've been working on at not being sarcastic anymore because I've come to understand how cowardly and how painful it is to others. It's just not appropriate speech. It's, it's really not. Uh, I have, uh, over the last several years, I've really tried to move away from that because, again, I love humor. Um, and the sarcasm and the insults can be funny, har har, and easy to come by. But I've really had to just rein that in because um, what's funny to me is not funny to somebody else. Um, and that's very convicting because it's 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 inconsistent with what I say from the pulpit or what I write about Christ. Uh, it, there is a great inconsistency there. Well, I'm glad to hear that the Holy Spirit's working on you guys. <laughs> you straighten up. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate your honesty, Jim and, and Lynn, in saying that. Um, and and I, I think that because we're having this conversation, um, the Holy Spirit will have the opportunity to speak to others who will hear um, our conversation and, and reflect on how sometimes they use their words in ways that that don't honor and glorify God. Then think about this for a moment. I think that among us, uh, gentlemen, uh, we, we would not tolerate profanity uh, in, in a conversation. Uh, I know back 20 years ago or some, there were some pastors that were flirting with the ideas that that's how you show you're real is by, you know, being profane, even when you're preaching. But I, I think that's all passe and we've all gotten past that. And we would not accept profane speech. Well, the question is, why in Christian circles would we accept sarcasm? And please explain to me what the difference is. Because they both are an impure use uh, of the tongue. And, and they both demean the other person. If I use profanity towards a person, it's dehumanizing. It demeans them. And sarcasm does the same thing. The difference is the pause. The short amount of time it takes for the person to realize that they were just disrespected. And for those of us who are struggling with this to know, well, you know, where's where where does my humor, where, where's the stopping point from a, where it becomes harmful? We need wisdom. We need wisdom to know how to use our speech. When we come to verse 13, we're going to see this idea where we need God's wisdom to direct our speech. 
James says this, starting in verse verse 13, who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he will show you that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good work fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. So, Jim, let me set you up. Um, um, you, you talk about, you, you use a term that I think most of us are familiar with, conventional wisdom. And, and, and you align that with that bitter envy and selfish ambition. Uh, James' words are earthly, unspiritual, demonic. <laughs> so talk about those things um, and how, um, how that fits into kind of a worldly perspective of conventional wisdom. And then let's, let's end this by talking about the fruit of the spirit that God wants displayed in our lives and in our words. Great, great. You know, conventional wisdom or cultural wisdom, you know, either phrase may work here. Uh, and, and what I'm meant by introducing that phrase, conventional wisdom is the way we tend to operate in what we tend to think is okay. What, what our particular subset, subculture, or culture admonishes as the proper way to handle this particular situation. Uh, but James doesn't, doesn't use that soft language. He uses an escalating language, even a language that I would be uncomfortable using to tag what I would call conventional or cultural wisdom. He goes earthy. Okay, earthy. Unspiritual demonic. That's, that's like an escalation that's gone from a spark to a forest fire to an inferno. And his point is, do not, he, and, and, and as we know, James is writing wisdom literature here, and he tends to put things to extremes so that we get the point. That's part of his genius in the way that he wrote the book of James. And so he's trying to get our attention here to say, choose godly wisdom. And the only way you can have this peace-loving, gentle, compliant uh, wisdom that's full of uh, good fruit is if you ask God for it. And he's already told us that if if we will ask God for wisdom, he will give it to us. And to not do it doesn't put us in a neutral zone. It puts us over in the category with the demons. There's, not, there's just black and white here. There's no gray. There's no gradation. It is you have the wisdom of God or you don't. And so then uh, back to your, your question in the previous uh, uh, segment where we were talking about sarcasm and the use of the tongue, and you segued by saying the only way we can have it is with God's wisdom is so point on. That's the only way we can have it. I can't rely on my past experience. I can't rely on my upbringing. I can't rely on what I've observed as the cultural norms of the church I attend. I can 
only rely upon God and his wisdom. And if I do that, I will live a spirit-filled life that will empower me to use my tongue in such a way that it benefits God's kingdom and builds up his people. One of the biggest indictments against the church is people who praise God, but then live like it hasn't made a difference in their life. And James is reminding us that faith is not just something we think about, but faith is something we live. And he gives us a very important application here. He's not telling us to control our tongue. He's telling us we can't control our tongue. He's telling us to go to the well of God for wisdom, and then the Spirit of God will control our tongue and will direct our path in such a way that it makes a difference in people's lives. It is our only hope. Jim, my experience has been that if when one person in a group does exactly what you're saying, that is contagious. Uh, I have a friend and she was one of those. She never said an unkind word. She was always very positive in her words, very encouraging in what she said. And I noticed that impacted the way I talked and it impacted the conversation just by simply her doing exactly what you've just called us to do out of the book of James. It's, it's contagious. I tend to have a, uh, an opinion about everything, Brother Lynn, <laughs> but I don't have a public opinion about everything. And there are even some things that I won't talk about with my wife. Um, we don't gossip together. We just don't. I don't want to go down that path. But to learn to have an unspoken thought is a step in the right direction. But the real ultimate answer is to live a life submitted to the Spirit of God. Our professors can't give us that. Our teachers can't give us that. Our parents can't give us that. This wisdom is not taught. It is received as a gift from God, and we must ask, why not just participate with God in controlling our tongue by when we feel that flash you know that flash, don't you? Sure. Do you know what that is? That is your blood leaving your head because you don't need no stinking brain. All you need right now is blood down to your arms and your legs so you can run or you can fight. When that flash comes, that's a warning sign that we need to be careful with what we're about to say. And why not, instead of react in that moment, why not simply pray a simple prayer? Lord, I need you. Like Peter did as he was going down in the water, Lord, I need you. And if he doesn't give you something to say in the moment, just be quiet. And I think the awkward silence is a lot better. The moment of awkward silence is a lot better than spending years trying to re-put, uh, re, uh, restore broken relationships that that angry, either sarcasm uh, direct, uh, ugly speech, profanity, whatever it is, the damage that it does in our lives and our relationships. It's been good for us to gather today and to talk about God's word and to see how it is real and practical and can impact our lives and the lives of others. We're grateful for those of you who listen to our podcast and 
really hope that this has been beneficial to you. Jim, thank you for being with us today. Oh, it's my joy. Thank you. Appreciate everyone listening and joining us for this podcast. We'd love to hear from you too. If uh, just uh, how things are going in your Bible study group, whether you're the leader of the group or whether you're just uh, one of the people sitting at the sitting in the circle, we'd love to hear from you. How your Bible study is going? Our email is uh, first name dot last name at lifeway.com, Chris dot Johnson at lifeway.com, or Lynn dot Pryor at lifeway.com. We'd love to hear from you. Hear how God's working in you and in your Bible study group. And we hope you have a great study this week.